One generation shall commend your works to another. One generation shall commend your works to another. Those are the words that stand out for me in the psalm that we just read, Psalm 145. And immediately my mind starts to think, why does that happen? And how does that happen? Why is it that that one generation would would pass something that's precious to them onto a future generation? People that they, they will never meet, that they will never know, that will never be able to personally say thankful to them this side of heaven. Why do that? And then also, how do you do that? How is it that one generation is able to pass something on into the future that the future cherishes? Those questions are on my mind as we celebrate this day because that's really what this day is about. The work and the labor and the love of a previous generation being celebrated among us today. Work that was started a long time ago that continues to this day. And that is no small task. That is no small feat. Especially when you consider how much the world has changed in the last 70 years. You know, much could be said about this, but just, just to illustrate the point. Uh, the price of a gallon of gas today, depending on where you get your gas, is about $1.95 or so. 70 years ago, 1949, it was 27 cents. Today, the population of Houston is 4.6-ish million people. In 1949, it was just shy of 600,000 people. That's a lot of growth. And then Mattress Mac, everybody's favorite Houstonian. In 1949, he was still two years away from being born. And yet somehow, he was still able to say, buy it today, get it tonight. He was still able to do that. (laughs) For those who are watching online from far away who don't know who Mattress Mac is, Mattress Mac is the mayor of Houston. That's who he is. Why does one generation pass something on to the next, and how in the world is that accomplished? That's what I want to focus on with the the little time I have with you this morning. Uh, We'll begin with the question of why. Why does one generation pass something on into the next? And the answer is really simple. A generation finds something that they cherish, and and they say this thing is, is powerful to us, and it's precious to us. It's so powerful and it's so precious, they say to themselves, shame on us if they in the future don't cherish it. And we do that in our generation with a whole lot of different things. We do that with a lot of frivolous things that for some reason are important to us. You pass on the love of a sport, of a particular college, of a particular pastime, a particular interest. For me, I I like to take my five-year-old son to car shows and we go hunting for DeLoreans. Because I have decided, shame on me if Marty McFly is not precious to my boy. (laughs) What have you done that with in your life? You know, that's what's happened here. That's that's what we're celebrating here in this place. Uh, There was a generation of people that came before us who said, the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus is precious to us and it's powerful for us. And shame on us if it is not cherished by those who come after us. They were captivated by by the message that that is so beautifully summarized, I think, in in the words of Psalm 145. You see it especially in verses verses, uh, 5 and 6. It says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. 
The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. They were captivated by this promise that they received that God is. He exists. And he's also loving and forgiving. And he's not mad at you. He's not holding any divine grudge against you. He has worked a way for total forgiveness for you. And he's secured a future for you. And now there is purpose and joy that can be experienced in your life. And they held on to that truth. And they said, this is so important and so transformative to us. Shame on us if it is not cherished by those who come after us. And so they moved it forward. They pushed it into the generation that would come after them. Now the question is, how did they do that? And how do we do that? It's, it's, it's so simple, it's easy to overlook. Here's how it happens. It happens one by one by one by one. It happens one conversation, one interaction at a time. The, the mission of Jesus, the kingdom of God, it moves forward from one generation into a future generation, one interaction at a time, one by one by one. That's how God has chosen. He could have chosen another way, but he chose this way to move his kingdom and his mission and this precious message forward one person and one interaction at a time. This is what you see in the Gospels with Jesus. Of course, in the Gospels, you have the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, which is the center of our faith, but the bulk of the Gospels is comprised of individual interactions with people whose lives needed to be touched with his mercy and his grace. You see Jesus talking to a woman who'd been caught in adultery and married multiple times and shacking up with somebody in the current moment that Jesus meets with her and he says to her, I do not judge you. You see Jesus meeting a father whose son is, is in need of healing and Jesus says, I can heal your son. You see Jesus meeting a tax collector who's looked down on by his peers and has no friends and Jesus says, I want to be your friend and I want to come to your house. <laughs> And one by one by one, he builds this movement of mercy, one person, one conversation at a time. For those of you who are newer to St. Mark, maybe you don't know how this church started. It started like that. Pastor Ed Kuyper was called to start a mission church out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> which is where we are now. And he had no launch team. He had no group going with him. It was him and his bride. And what did this man do? He went door to door. And there was a lot of space between doors back then in this part of town. <laughs> he went door to door and he knocked on doors and he shared this thing that was precious to him and, and cherished by him, this mission that he'd been given to start a church and this message that had transformed his life and he thought for sure could transform theirs. And he knocked on door after door, one by one by one by one by one until after the course of months, there were a few dozen people who were really excited about this message and this mission and they started this church that 70 years is, is still going strong. It's one by one. So Jesus rose from the dead and a whole bunch of people saw him. And one told another who 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 eventually told Pastor Kuyper's parents who baptized their children, who raised them in the church. And one of those kids was told, you should be a pastor. And he was like, okay. And then he got sent to Texas. And he got sent to Houston. And they said, you should start a church. And he said, okay. And then he started knocking on doors down Long Point. And people's doors have been knocked on literally and metaphorically ever since until somebody eventually knocked on your door, so to speak. And that's why you're here. 
here, it's all one chain of individual interactions from the very beginning into this particular moment. That's how it works. Questions for you. Two of them. Who, who was your one? Who was the one who took the faith of their generation and, and, and put it in your hands? Who gave this gift of, of knowing that all is forgiven and the future is yours in Jesus Christ? Who, who gave that gift to you? Who knocked on your door, so to speak, and took, took their present and put it into your future? Who did that? Can, can you think of that person? Have you ever thanked that person? You know, for me, it was a series of ones. It began with my mom. She was one. She insisted that her rambunctious three boys were baptized and grew up in a church because she needed the help, and we needed Jesus. <laughs> and, then, and then another one was my, my pastor's wife when I grew up, a wonderful woman of God. She saw a very mouthy and very insecure teenager, and she pulled me aside, and she made a point to meet with me after church for a series of months during a very formative time of my life. And she sat me down, and she taught me how to read the Bible, and she described to me in great detail the love that God has for imperfect people like me. And it changed my life. This is how we pass things on. One person takes something that's precious to them, and they pass it to someone near them. Who was that one for you? And the other question is this, who is your one? Because if this is how God moves the kingdom forward, if this is how God chooses to expand his kingdom and grow his church and pass the faith on from one generation to the next, then what it means is that there is someone in your life right now who's been divinely appointed, who's been divinely placed near you in your proximity, who needs to receive in their hands what you hold in yours. They need in their life and to carry into their future that which has been passed on to you and is precious in your present. Who is your one? Because if this is how it works, then you not only have one who gave it to you, there is one that needs to receive it from you. Now, I know when we start talking about like sharing our faith that those of us who are here as followers of Jesus, we, we get kind of nervous. I'm not talking about you needing to go to work and be the weird guy who asks everybody what they believe. I'm not saying that you have to stand on a street corner and shout about sin. In fact, don't do that. That's often not helpful. What I'm talking about is this. It's about you as a follower of Jesus asking a series of very simple questions. If you believe that this is how God moves the faith from one generation into the next, you ask questions like this. Who's, who's near me? Like, who's in my circle of friends and family? Who's near me? And then who needs this thing that I have? The peace and the promise of forgiveness and the, and the security that comes from knowing your future is set in God's family. Who needs that? It could be a coworker who's dying for some direction or, or, or a family member or a friend who is really hurting. Of course, the kids have been put in your care. They've been put in your care to receive this. Who, who needs this around you? And then lastly, who's, who's not hostile to you? Like if you start talking about important things or spiritual things, they're not going to like immediately punch you. Someone who is near you and needs this and is open to you. Do you think that they're in your life on accident? Do you know who they are? 
They're your one. They're your one person. And you put this in their hands and they take it into the future. That's how this happens. They're your one. Now you might be thinking, well, how in the world do I do that? How do I share this with them? Again, I think our psalm is instructive. It it says here in verses 5 and 6, it says, On your wondrous works I will meditate, that's key. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. Meditate and declare. I want you to take those two words with you. When I say meditate, I don't necessarily mean this. What I mean is this, reflecting and thinking and being aware and grateful for the things that God has done in your life. Don't just overlook them, be aware of them, reflect on them. And you let that gratitude and that awareness overflow into a declaration to the people in your proximity that God is and he's loving and he's good and he's forgiving and he's not only for you, but he's for them. And again, that makes us nervous talking about the hope that we have, but but understand very often the best declaration to the world around you is simply an invitation to come and see it for themselves and experience it for themselves, to to come to church with you or to be a part of your friend group that has faith, that's really what it comes down to. The best declaration of your hope is an invitation to share in it with you in a place like this. That's how we pass it forward. I want to give you some help in that regard. On your way in, you should have received a worship folder. In that worship folder, thank you, Bill. I'm going to take that from you. You should have received a door hanger. If you have one of those, hold that up for me. Show me that you got it. Good. Well, we didn't give this to you on accident. We gave it to you on purpose. Uh, we made it a door hanger as a way of, of honoring how this church started. Pastor Kuiper went door to door, and so we thought it'd be best to make this a door hanger. And, and here's what I want you to do. I have homework for you and help for you. The homework is this. I, I want you to leave this place this morning asking this question, who was my one and who is my one? Who was the one who put this in my hands and who is the one who needs it from me? Who was and who is? Wrestle with that. Who was? Who is? And to remind you in that, here's the help. I want you to take this and put this on the inside of whatever door you use in your home the most to enter and exit the house. You know, most people don't go in and out of their house from the front door. That'd be weird, right? Uh, We use the side door or the back door. So whatever door it is you use, I want you to put this on the handle on the inside of that door so that every time you go in and out that door throughout the next week, you will see this thing hanging there, swinging there. And I want you to put that there today and leave it there for one week so that for an entire week, it serves as a reminder for you to ask the question, who was and who is my one? Who was and who is my one? And as you look at it, as you stare at it, as you go in and out of that door... And it finally hits you, and you say, oh, you know who was? My mom was, or my uncle was, my pastor growing up was, my friend in college took me to a Bible study. They were the one. What I want you to do is give thanks for them in your heart, and if they're still here on this earth, reach out to them with your hands and with your voice and say thank you. And then when it hits you about the person who is your one, who needs this from you, I want to use this as an invitation from you. Invite them to our fall festival that's happening in a couple of weeks. To come have fun. Invite them to your church. Say, come to my church. We can hang out here. We've got beautiful red carpet and a sarcastic pastor. It's going to be great. (laughs) Because sometimes the best declaration of your faith is an invitation to share in your faith. That is the challenge for you. And that's how we keep this going forward.
I'm going to close with a simple exercise. I want you to imagine 100 years from now, 100 years from now, the 170th anniversary of St. Mark. The year is 2,119. Oil is going for $800 a barrel. (laughs) The Astros are getting ready to win their 28th World Series title. It'll put them one ahead of the Yankees. And and as you imagine 100 years from now, uh, picture the faces. And and here's what you should notice about all the faces 100 years from now. They're all new faces. All of them. It's a whole new set of humans 100 years from now. A whole new set of human beings 100 years from now. All the old faces are new old faces. All the young faces are new young faces. 100 years from now, there'll be a whole changeover in humanity. We will have taken the keys to creation, to our jobs, to our homes, to everything that we hold dear. We will have taken the keys to all those things. We will hand them over to people that we will never meet and probably never, ever know. It'll be a whole new humanity. Here's the thing. They will have the same hope. New humans. Same hope. How? Because of you. Because you and me, us, today, we have chosen those who follow Jesus to say, shame on us if they don't cherish this. And a light bulb has gone on in our lives and we've said, we are the ones today who put this thing that is precious into the hands of of the future. It's up to us. May God accomplish that through us and because of us, not in spite of us and around us. We are the ones today who move this forward into the future. Who was your one? Give thanks. Who is your one? Reach out. Let's pray.